joy to the world. I mean it. I wish joy to the world. Not just happiness or laughter, but deep, meaningful, everlasting joy. We can't buy it. We can't achieve it. We can't just will it. True joy, pure joy comes from God. We just have to receive it. That's today on the podcast. It's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thank you so much for listening in to our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you and we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. This week, Pastor Jason talks about the third week of Advent and how temporary happiness can be sought out by achieving something really great or even buying something really great, but eventually... Inevitably, this human joy is fleeting. It doesn't last, and it leaves us in a cycle where we have to work harder or buy more to feel it again, or it disappears when times are bad. But God-sized joy cannot be achieved, and it doesn't disappear in bad weather. Let's check it out right now. Well, we are in our third week now of our Advent series where we're looking at what does it mean to... Wait faithfully upon God. What does that mean in our everyday lives? It sounds like a really big idea that needs... The problem with big ideas, they don't always land in our everyday walking around life. So we need to make sure that we think about what does it mean to wait upon God? What does it mean, this whole season of Advent and waiting and as we're looking forward to Christmas, what does it mean for our everyday life? Because if we never make that connection, we totally miss the whole reason that it's there. Uh, We talked the last couple of weeks, the first week we talked about what does it mean to live with God-sized hope. We said living with God-sized hope means that if God says something, if God makes a promise, we don't treat it as a maybe, we treat it as a will be. That we have complete trust in the promises of God. And then last week we talked about God-sized love. When it comes to God-sized love, we need to accept it and experience it. It's not just enough to agree with Jesus. We have to actually believe it, put it into practice. Because, you know, what happens is we come to church or maybe you watch one of those online preachers and, uh, and you're watching and you find yourself agreeing with Jesus, but that's not quite the same thing, is it, as following Jesus. It's not just a mental exercise. It's a whole body experience. So we must accept that love. We must experience it in relationship, and then we must share it with others. And today we're talking about joy. This is a good one. It's joy, man. It's Christmas time. We all know joy. We all know what it feels like. We love the experience of Christmas and the Christmas joy that that we have. We're singing songs. We're having Christmas pageants. We're going to people's houses for parties. I love, and Christmas morning when you're a kid is the best. I love in a Christmas story when they're looking through the window. And he says, we were looking upon mechanized electronic joy. <laughs> like, yeah, that pretty much sums up childhood. I, I will never forget to this day, five years old, at my uncle, aunt and uncle's house. At the time, we were living in California, but we were here in New Jersey for Christmas. I come down the stairs only to find a brand new green machine. Any Gen Xers out there remember what a green machine is? Thank you. The green machine. It was so awesome. It's like a big wheel, but better. It's like a big wheel, but you could skid out in it. That was the thing. It had like a little lever, so you're like trucking along. 
It was awesome. And I remember, five years old, I remember walking down those stairs. I never thought I would get a green machine. I flipped out. I was so excited. I think I sat in it the rest of Christmas morning in the, in the living room. It was so awesome. But for us, you know, we think about this, or maybe you like going to parties. How about an ugly sweater Christmas party? That brings joy, right? Look at that guy. He is having fun. It's all about joy, right? And so this season is about experiencing that joy. But, but is that really the joy that we've been waiting for? Is that really the joy that we're talking about? You see, the thing is with Christmas joy is it's sort of like a warm bath, right? I mean, it washes over us, and it's fun, it's busy. <laughs> Maybe that's your storm. But it, we let it wash over us, and then we feel good, and then, you know, January's here. And it's January in New Jersey. <laughs> We're just not feeling it. And that's because Christmas joy is just a very faint a very tiny glimpse into the kind of joy that we were meant to live with every single day. In fact, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to be glad he came today. Because I'm going to give you the secret to living with God-sized joy every single day of your life, no matter how much money you make, no matter what kind of job you have, no matter what kind of house you have or don't have, whether you're sick or healthy, no matter what is going on in your life, you can still live with a never-ending, God-sized joy that never goes away no matter what season you're in. Anybody want to sign up for that? Yeah? Really? Five hands? All right. All right, all five of you, you're going to get this. You're going to love it. Everybody ever get a puppy for Christmas, by the way? Right? Or anybody know somebody who got a puppy for Christmas? Yeah, you would know. Because people who get a puppy for Christmas are super annoying about getting a puppy for Christmas. <laughs> right? I mean, because there's so much joy and they're so excited and the puppies are so cute and you get the puppy and it's like, you know, yay, we have a puppy. And, you know, when you go into like, we put a puppy in a box and stuff, <laughs> that's, that's a different sermon for a different day. I just don't want to get any emails. So, but anyway, you get the puppy and there's so much joy and everything that you want to you go share it. So you bring it over to your neighbors. And then all of a sudden you've got a puppy in your house because somebody got a puppy. Like people are showing up with the puppy now. And the puppy's like muddy always, you know, on your legs. Like, oh, the puppy's so cute, you know. Puppy's really great. I'm so glad you brought the puppy today. Merry Christmas. But the thing is, when you get a puppy, you just got to share it because you're so excited. That joy cannot be contained. And if we could get that excited about a puppy, maybe, just maybe, there's a bigger level of joy out there for us that cannot be contained. The kind of joy that Jesus brings. I want to share with you a portion of Psalm 96. Uh, this is a poem. It's actually a, a song to God. But I want you to get your head around what it's talking about when it's talking about joy. Because this is a really big idea. It's trying, Psalm 96 is trying to get you to imagine what would it be like if all created reality rejoiced? What would happen if even the inanimate objects, even if the, earth, the very earth itself, the ground that we're standing on started rejoicing? 
almost like a whole earth uniting together to rejoice and give joy to God. So it says here, verse 11, let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant in everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. As if to say, all creation itself cannot be contained in the joy that it has for the coming of the Lord. What if... We had access to that level of joy. Not just in the hereafter, but in the here and now. It seems kind of unbelievable. Because that's not our usual experience of joy. Our usual experience of joy is what I call the human joy cycle. And it goes something like this. It begins with, at the top of the circle, my achievements. Um, and this could be anything. It, but probably the easiest way to get your head around it is, is with your success at your profession, or with your job. And you start thinking about, well, my achievements. So then, my achievements, follow the arrow, lead to my resources. I have resources because of my achievements. And then, uh, if I have the right resources, then my expectations are delivered. And this brings me joy. And then it also makes me trust again in my own achievements, because that brought me joy last time. Back to my resources, meeting my expectations. Joy, it's like a snowball or a flywheel. And it works wonderfully until it doesn't. Because things go wrong in life. Not everything goes in the way that we have. Not everything is up and to the right. On the graph of our life. Things aren't just always getting better. We have hiccups. We have storms. We have things that get in the way. And then what happens is, you see, if we're trusting in our own ability to achieve joy, we're in trouble. Why? Because we are not perfect joy makers. We do not always have the achievements or the resources to get to where we're hoping to go. And so the problem is joy becomes something that at best is temporary. And maybe we start living from joy cycle to joy cycle. It's like if I could string enough joy cycles together, then I would be happy. If I could string enough of these together, I'll be good. And you know what? It can work. It can work from time to time. We can absolutely, we can experience joy this way. But it will never last. It will always have its ups and downs because it's always dependent on us who are broken, who are imperfect, who won't get every lucky break. Life is still life. And so it's very easy for something or someone or for a circumstance to rob us of our human joy. Anything that gets in the way that can interrupt. Because again, it's about us. Joy isn't something that I achieve. Not the kind of joy that God talks about. Not the kind of joy that resounds and rejoices to God no matter what the circumstance I want to take you to uh, a very familiar story in the Old Testament. And it's going to seem like a really weird reading for Christmas time. Because it is. The story of David and Goliath. The reason I want to read this to you is I think that there is a secret in here. 
for unlocking God-sized joy. You're probably familiar with this story, whether you consider yourself very religious or not. David and Goliath story. So I'm just going to read a few highlights. We know the situation. Goliath is the champion of the Philistine army, defying anybody from the nation of Israel to do anything about it. And nobody's a taker. Nobody wants the fight, except for young David, shepherd boy with a sling. This is 1 Samuel, verse 32, chapter 17. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. He goes, he faces the Philistine, and he says in verse 45... David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. The kids love this one. (laughs) This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. Merry Christmas. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. And we know how it ends, with a sling and a stone. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. All right, pop quiz, everyone. Who is the hero of this story? You guys are good. <laughs> you see, when you hear the story and when you're a kid, maybe learning about David and Goliath, if I was to ask one of the kids who's the hero of the story, they might probably say David. And this is the key. This is the key to unlocking God-sized joy in your life. is to know that your strength comes from outside of you. To know that your joy comes from a source of never-ending joy. A much deeper well than you could ever dig. An infinite well. When you start knowing that God is your resource, it changes everything, including your experience of joy. Once you unlock this truth, it opens you up to Christian joy. So, for example, if, if this is the human joy cycle... My achievements, my resources, meeting my expectations. This is how the God joy cycle works. It begins with my inadequacy, which forces me to depend on God's resources, which, spoiler alert, are much bigger than yours. And what happens is, He exceeds your expectations, which reminds you. But it didn't come from you. It's from your own inadequacy. We who are weak are made strong. Scripture says, for the joy of the Lord is my strength. When you start living in the God joy cycle, your life changes. The way you live changes. Because now it doesn't matter what season of life you're in. And yes, you might be in a bad one. 
You could be in a place where you are weeping and mourning and still experience the joy of the Lord. And I say that to you, and for some of you that makes no sense at all. And others of you, you're like, yeah, I know, I've, I've felt that before. Doesn't mean that you're happy in the midst of your mourning. No, it's the same way that I could look out the window at a winter landscape. And all you see are dead trees. But there's something beautiful about the landscape. And you say, wow, that's really beautiful. Like, I can't wait for spring, but this is really beautiful. That's how God-sized joy works. You might be going through a difficult circumstance. You might have a storm in your life. But underneath it all, there's something that never goes away. There is a joy of the Lord that is your strength. That you have no matter what season you're in. No matter how much money you make. No matter what's going on in your life. You experience God-sized joy. You've met people like that, right? Who seem to have joy no matter what. And it's not fake. It's not a superficial grin. (laughs) Things are great, Pastor. I swear. When you feel like someone just took, you know, in the old cartoons where they do the, you know, the explosion. The big, (laughs) you feel like that's my life right now. You can experience God-sized joy every single minute. And a few of you, too, I would say this. You've had a little bit of a taste of this, and you know how good it is. But there's something that makes you scared to go all in. Because we have been so programmed to say that the answer lies within. You I mean, listen, we live in an area with tons of success. You're all successful people who are very smart and very driven, who have done well for yourselves. Your achievements have gotten you a long way. But do you have never-ending, unmoving, God-sized joy all the time? You're still chasing after the joy that you thought all these things were going to get you. Because joy is not something that I achieve, it is something that I receive. It's something that God gives me. When we start living in this cycle, we start really living. Just think about it. Our circumstances can change at any moment. Right? We feel like, take your job, for example. We feel very secure in our jobs, maybe. People really depend on us. I mean, who knows? Who knows what could happen to our job tomorrow? I mean, so many things. Our health. So many things can change. But God-sized joy never does. And I want to tie it back in to Christmas with Mary. Mary, if she was relying on human joy, she was in trouble. If she was relying on her own resources in the wake of the news of Gabriel the angel. Hi, yes, Mary. Hi, good to see you. Guess what? I don't think she would say that she had a deep well of resources to draw from in that moment. Think about it. She wasn't educated in that she didn't have like 
higher education or Bible study. You know, uh, she had basic scriptural training. She would have learned about the Torah when she was a kid, but then she would have gone on to prepare for marriage. She was probably a teenager, not married. It's not like she had this deep well of resources to draw on to bring her joy. But instead, in the face of all of that, she said, all right, I don't know how, but it must be a blessing because it's coming from God. It must be. And tell me if this doesn't sound like somebody who's in the God-sized joy cycle. She writes a song in response to what God has done. It's known as Mary's song. This is Luke 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. The way that song begins, she rejoiced. What's that word come from? To be filled with joy, to rejoice. Just like, it it feels like it's the same as that Psalm 96. Everything about Mary was rejoicing, was singing out in thanks to God in this moment of absolute joy. Joy for what God has done, trusting that God's going to show up when he says he's going to show up, that despite this unfaithful nation of Israel, God showed up anyway. God delivered on his promise of a savior through her. So, how do we start getting into this God cycle? Well, just like anything, it takes being intentional. So I say, growing in your relationship with God isn't just going to happen accidentally, usually. Usually there's some intention behind it, just like cultivating a marriage or a relationship. It takes some intentionality. It's not just you fall in love, and then you get married, and you're like, all right, that was awesome. Whoosh. All right, we'll just like hang out for, until we're dead. Like... It takes some cultivating along the way, or you can grow apart. Same thing in your relationship with God. So what are a couple things that we can do? I think the first thing is we can anticipate joy. Just like all creation, they're rejoicing before the Lord comes. Whatever's going on in your life, rejoice that you know that God's going to show up. And that's a discipline. That's something like, things may look bad now. This was a horrible day, but joy comes in the morning. There's a new day tomorrow. We're going to work through this. God's going to show up. God's not going to let me down. God's not going to leave me. In fact, God's probably right here in the midst of all this. Anticipate it. 
I think the next thing that we can do is to make sure we receive it. Remember, it's not something we achieve, it's something we receive. And this takes work because, again, we're all driven people. And the, the default, the gravity wants to pull you toward your own achievements and your own resources all the time. Because we're fixers, we're problem solvers, we can figure it out. And sometimes that can get in the way of our trust. So just be mindful of that as you're going through different seasons of your life. Second, receive it. And the third is to choose it. It is a daily choice to decide, I'm going to draw upon God's resources. I'm going to realize I am not God. And so I'm going to trust in the one who really is. And to know, when God says he is with us, he means it. God with us. Whatever you're waiting on, whatever you're hoping for, just know that God is right there, right where he's always been. And you too can live with God-sized joy. Amen. Amen.